Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Anna David. Um, I'm so glad that you're listening. If you're new to the show, this is where I talk to people about uh, their struggles, their success, how they have found, how they've hustled their light out of the dark. And I want you to know that this particular interview, I arranged with somebody not knowing anything about his personal life at all. So the fact that um, we got into some heavy duty struggles from minute one uh, was a was a great revelation to me. So I'm I'm hearing it at the same time you are. Uh, let me tell you about this guy. Um, he's somebody I've long admired. I'm one of those people who fangirls over big marketing people, and he's considered like one of the leading, if not the leading SEO expert. He's published three books about SEO. Uh, you know the ones that are studied in school, the classics. Um, and he founded the SEO agency Net Concepts, which um, is now part of a multi-billion-dollar ad agency. Um, he hosts two podcasts himself, which is how I discovered him. One is called Get Yourself Optimized. One is called Marketing Speak. Um, you are going to hear about uh, how you can come from from really nothing and build this empire, and how you can find that coming from nothing is actually your greatest strength. So without further ado, I am giving you Stefan, Stefan Spencer. Forget that I said Stefan, Stefan Spencer. Okay, so we are chatting away. Um, as you know, when I met you, I was a I was not just a fan, but I had implemented something on my website specifically because I heard you talk about doing it, and that is the timeline. Um, and it's funny to kind of get a little, I get a little like starstruck by these, like by marketing heroes. It's a bit embarrassing. I live in Hollywood. As you know, I don't, I don't care about like, you know, meeting Brad Pitt. I care a little bit about that. But, um, but anyway, um, and it was so great to realize you're a part of the Genius Network community. Um, so let's talk. You had, I, I was reviewing your own timeline. And when we talk about a timeline, anybody who has not seen one, it's images. It's rather than one of those long bios, it really walks you through uh, the journey of the person. So let's talk about your journey. You, um, you, you allude in this timeline to being a nerdy kid. So let's yes. talk about that. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a ghetto, <laughs> and I'm 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 not being hyperbolic about that. It was an actual ghetto. I I as a little kid, I made the mistake of going around the block once, and I was almost abducted. Uh, I ran away. Uh, so the guy tried to get me in his car, but uh, I, I ran. I, um, I I was raised by my grandparents, my grandmother uh, and grandfather until my grandmother died. And I ended up in a, in a foster home uh, by the end of my childhood. But 
this was all a huge gift in retrospect. It was yeah. challenging. I bounced around from place to place when I was uh, a kid, went to live with my grandparents, went to live with my aunt back. Uh, then she moved and went uh, to another city with her, then back to Toledo to live with my grandfather and then uh, to my mother's and then back to my grandfather, back and forth, then to foster care. It was uh, an interesting ride. But um, the idea here is that when you are given adversity, you can either turn that into uh, something amazing or you can let it just crush you, be a victim of it. So I chose to do something with it. So when I lived with my, my mother, um, she was mentally ill. She worked third shift. So I'd be spending all my nights by myself as a kid. Uh, not great to be in a house by yourself uh, all night long every night. But what I would do is in the summers uh, that I lived with her, which is just uh, like maybe two years, I would code all night as a kid. Mm. I taught myself how to program, not just in basic, but also assembly language. I was coding in hexadecimal, a uh, super geeky little kid. And I wrote my own bulletin board system, uh, a BBS back in the day before there was the internet uh, and the World Wide Web and everything. There was uh, CompuServe and there was... Uh, um, you know, BBSs that you would have to dial into. And so I ran a BBS for my home phone line, which really ticked my mother off. She'd pick up the phone and then she'd hear a modem sound and she'd scream uh, up, up the stairs to get the uh, modem off of the phone so she could make a phone call. So, so I saw this as an opportunity. I had so much freedom when I lived with her. I could just go, I, I in retrospect, it's crazy to think about like all these things that I, I would never allow my kids to have done at that age. But I would hang out with uh, guys that were 10 years older than me. Mm -hmm. As like a 12-year-old, I would go hang out with 23, 24-year-olds who were you know, trading software and stuff and on you know Commodore 64 software and everything like that. I could have gotten like abducted, kidnapped, whatever. I could have like gotten uh, molested, like all sorts of really bad stuff could have happened. Thankfully, it didn't. But that experience of having so much freedom and ability to create my own destiny and build stuff, and that started a whole uh, trajectory for me, like as a for example, as a 17-year-old, I managed to scrounge, like I bought a car for $65 that ran, and I figured out how to go to a junkyard and get an alternator from a, another uh, car, the same make and model, and replace it myself. Uh, so I replaced my own alternator with a junkyard alternator, and it worked, and the car was a $65 car. Like, that's how I got around in the world is I just hacked the system. And uh, so I, I got married at 19 years old. I started uh, uh, building websites in 1994. Uh, I dropped out of a PhD program in biochemistry to start an agency without ever having any business experience or any kind of business classes or marketing classes or uh anything. I just kind of winged it. I'm like, I'm going to figure this stuff out. And, and I can thank my, my grandparents and my, the, my upbringing that was pretty difficult 
as uh, setting me up for that kind of uh, success. So that struggle was a huge gift. You know, my wife, uh, Orion, likes to say, at, um, sometimes you get a gift and, and the bow's on the bottom. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, and to be clear, I didn't know any of this. Like this was just, um, I was like, you know, had no idea what your struggles were. So, so this was all in Ohio or were you moving all around that entire uh, All time? around. A lot of it was in Ohio, but I, I, I spent a year with uh, my aunt in, in Florida, a year in, in Connecticut. Um, I would spend summers, some, some years uh, with family friends in Chicago, friends of my aunt. Like I was bounced around so much. Uh, I, yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's really hard. It's like when um, you're familiar with ACE, uh, you know, the, a, yep. the um, adverse child, adverse the, childhood right. experiences. Yes. You get a score and every time you have like major turmoil in your life, let's say you have to move uh, cities or whatever. I, I'm sure my ACE score is off the chart. I don't have any, I don't see any benefit in adding all those uh, numbers up. Right. But I just know that it was tough, but I got through it and I am super resilient now. In fact, I, this was a, a huge kind of uh, epiphany uh, moment of clarity for me when I realized I'm not only resilient, I'm anti-fragile because there's this book called Anti-Fragile by Nicholas Taleb, and he talks about economies and immune systems and mother nature being anti-fragile, meaning that they actually get stronger because of the stressors in the system, right? It's not like if your immune system was only resilient, you'd be dead. Right. If the economy was merely resilient, we would be in, you know, like our economies would be in shambles, but they're anti-fragile. They actually get stronger. They need those stressors in order to really blossom. And that's how I see myself now as anti-fragile, not merely resilient. And I think that's a game changer for a lot of folks. Now, what do you think it is in you that caused you to be like that? It was other people, you know, as we're talking about, would have had those experiences and would have, you know, gotten addicted, killed themselves, God knows what. What, so do you think you were just born with that resilience or that anti-fragility? You know, I don't know. I, 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 it's, a, it's a hard question to answer, but what I can say is there were some moments of clarity that I was given as a young child uh, that gave me a perspective. You know, there's this expression that goes something like, I don't know who discovered water, but it certainly wasn't a fish. <laughs> You're immersed in a dysfunctional environment and you don't see it. You don't see the mental illness. You don't see the abuse. It's just the new normal or the old normal that you were never not accustomed to. The, the, the gift that I got very early on, I was a young child and I remember opening the, a, a drawer in the upstairs of uh, my grandparents' house and seeing a huge pile like the whole drawer was full of soap slivers like soap slivers like little bits of yeah. soap that are left over from when you use the bar up and there's hardly anything left they kept those and that was a pivotal pivotal moment for me mm. i looked at that drawer full of soap slivers as a little kid and i said wow to myself wow they're crazy 
they're crazy. So that gave me this new perspective, like, okay, I'm not the fish in the water. I'm looking outside of it, seeing the insanity and this doesn't compute. And that freed me from mm. getting sucked in. Like my grandmother was trying to convert me to Jehovah's Witness. She'd read me watchtowers and awakes instead of reading children's books and stuff. I, like all of it, it was like I was in the matrix and suddenly I had the red pill. Right. Wow. Yeah. Those moments in childhood that we look back on now where really we just go, wait a minute, this actually isn't right. This is, I'm not the crazy one. I may be six years old or whatever, but I'm, yeah, I have those too. Did you have siblings? No, only child. Only child. And when you, um, so escaped this environment, um, is it something, um, are you in touch with anybody from your past? Is that something, um, did you make a conscious decision not to be, or where are you with that? Yeah, so I uh, I took to heart one thing. I there's plenty of things I learned from Tony Robbins. I, I had some really life changing epiphanies from going through a lot of his programs. But one thing that he uh, taught that I think is is relevant here is you don't want to necessarily write off your family, but you want to spend time with the people that you want to become more like. Right. So that uh, time and attention is very valuable and you're the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. So if you want to become a better person, hang out with higher quality people, love your family, but choose your peer group. So that's the bottom line of well, this lesson from Tony Robbins is to love your family. Don't necessarily got to write them off or whatever. Sometimes you do. But if you love them, and you don't spend, that doesn't mean you have to spend lots and lots of time with them, but love them and then choose your peer group because they are not your peer group. They're not the people that you want to become more like. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is no offense to anybody with wonderful parents and childhoods, but I will say the longer I'm alive, the more I observe that the truly successful and striving people I know did not come from those loving and perfect supportive families. Just my casual observation, not a scientist. Now, so so in terms of in terms of financial success or success in the eyes of the world, did that was that happening right away? Um, it came pretty early. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I I was uh, struggling for quite a while uh, in in college because I had young children. I was um, Married very young, 19, first child at 20, another child 17 months after that. And I had a, a stepdaughter as well. So yeah, as, a, as a college student, and uh, my wife at the time was also going through graduate school, it was um, a pretty challenging in terms of financially, um, like we were on food stamps and WIC and stuff uh, at the time. And, and I was up to my eyeballs in student loan debt just to pay the bills while we were both in school. And I was going to University of Michigan as an out-of-state student. So that's like, you might as well be paying for Ivy League uh, tuition because it's crazy expensive as a very 
very good school. Yeah. But I was just over the border in Toledo. So that made all the difference, an extra, whatever, $15,000 a year uh, for four years because of that, um, you know, five mile difference. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed uh, going to college and getting uh, the degree, which I don't use for anything. <laughs> cellular <laughs> molecular biology. Yeah, okay. Cellular molecular biology. Then I went to graduate school in, at University of Wisconsin-Madison for biochemistry after that. But... For undergrad, I was like dirt poor, like broke, <laughs> uh, living off of student loans and, and, and all that. And then uh, two years into my graduate studies at University of Wisconsin-Madison, I had built some websites for fun on the side and so forth. Um, I decided to quit school. Now, it wasn't, I was kind of uh, pushed to the precipice. It wasn't just like, you know what, I see this great opportunity. Uh, I'm going to just go for it. And that's usually the, the positioning that you'll hear, like, you know, success upon success upon success. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, transparent with this sort of stuff that it's not all, you know, easy peasy. You, you, I, I had a run in with my advisor where he said, look, you you got to show up longer at the lab. I see you leaving at five, six o'clock at night. Uh, and your colleagues are staying till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. You know, you don't have your priorities straight. Like this is not important enough to you. You're either going to start showing up like everybody else, or you're going to find yourself another lab, which means start all over again. New research, new advisor, being kicked out of a lab, uh, it, it'll be really hard. I'd, I'd lose a year easily. Wow. So um, I could choose to do that or I could choose to wrap things up, take three months to finish, get a master's and do something different. And at that same time, I had this opportunity to that I saw to start a business and to get into internet marketing. It was 1994 and I had just been to the second international worldwide web conference. Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web, was the keynote speaker. I got to talk to him for a minute or two after his talk. Um, I met Rob McCool, who probably none of uh, your listeners will know who the heck that is. I didn't know who it was either. But uh, he, so Mark Andreessen was the uh, guy who started Netscape with Jim Clark. Well, Rob McCool was the guy that they hired to create Netscape server. He was the creator of NCSA HTTPD server. And he's also the creator of Apache, Apache web server software, which runs most of the web servers of the internet. Okay. He created that. And I met him and we talked and I had never heard of Netscape. It was 1994. Everybody was still using Mosaic browser. And I'm starstruck. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's Netscape. There's this guy who just was plucked out of uh, the University of uh, Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and now is part of this massive startup that's going to like change the world. And I'm like, I was starstruck. So within four or five months, I dropped out of the PhD. I, I did the master's thing. I finished that up. And then I started a business. And a uh, funny thing about... Um, you know, how I was able to start the business and get my first clients 
it was really tough at the beginning. I was charging like next to nothing to get really terrible clients, uh, building websites and stuff for them. And, and I, I couldn't even afford to run that business. So I had to have a, a part-time job. So I took a, a part-time job at the university and then I had my big break, but it, it wasn't an easy break. It was a very uh, embarrassing one. Um, I, I, I'm just going on and on and on. So I don't... You, Can you tell? No, embarrassing okay. break. Don't you dare stop. Go on. Okay. So I talked my way into a conference uh, called the How to, How to Market on the Internet conference. Uh-huh. It was put on by IQPC, which is a big conference organization. It's a two thousand dollar conference back in nineteen ninety five, and uh, it was impossible for me to even dream of going there and attending, uh, spending two thousand dollars to attend. I didn't have it, so I talked my way in as a volunteer. So I'm volunteering, uh, and they give me the job of a mic runner. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a really cheeky twenty three, twenty four year old. So I'm running around with the mic and I'm listening to these uh, panelists and, and speakers who are not that smart, not that skilled in my young uh, kind of uh, uh, in, in my perspective at that time. I decide I just going to jump in and add my two cents because I have the mic, right? I'm the mic runner. <laughs> And so I'm upstaging some really pretty famous people like GM O'Connell, the founder of Modem Media, big a- agency back in the, in the day. Uh, and by the end of that first day of the event, I had a big stack of business cards. People had come up to me afterwards and, and said, you know more than the panelists and stuff. I'm really impressed with you. I want to hire you. Because I had, I had like no clients. I had so little revenue. It was just like I, I could buy a candy bars with it sort of thing. And by the end of it, uh, that first day, I had um, the I had out of that stack of business cards, two companies that became my kind of foundational clients that added up to a million dollars of of lifetime customer lifetime value. And I was also de-invited from attending <laughs> and par- participating in the second day by the conference organizer. I've, apparently, uh, it was not cool that I was upstaging the, uh, the, the, the big name speakers. So that was kind of devastating. I was not expecting to be de-invited from uh, day, day two, but uh, I'm so glad that I I took that uh, liberty and just put myself out there in, in that kind of way, even though it wasn't socially appropriate. It got, I, I didn't have to get funding. I didn't have to take on angel investors. I didn't have to like struggle at a part-time job until I finally had my big break. That was my big break. It was incredible. And irony of all ironies, that same conference organization contacted me not even three months later invited me to speak it was <laughs> how to market educational programs on the internet uh and i was the chairperson i was a, a speaker i had a general session during the main uh, conference and i uh, had a, a post-conference workshop and that started my speaking career and i was terrible i was the worst speaker 
terrible. I was even worse at chairing a conference than I was at uh, speaking. I just, I had never been trained on, on speaking. I didn't know how to keep people like on time and keep things like light and moving. And, and like, it, it was a train wreck as far as my speaking ability and chairing ability. But I was just, just like focused on getting that mastered. Like, uh, um, repetition is the mother of skill as, as Tony Robbins likes to say. So I just keep plowing at it until I master it. And I did that. I, I've spoken, I don't know, a thousand times in the last 20 some years and I've gotten really good, but I've also gone through training as well, but just that repetition and keep at keeping at it. And the funny thing about when you get a speaking gig, even if you're terrible at it and you're uh, like on the, on the speaking roster, you're, you're in the brochure all the different conference organizations poach each other's speakers. So I would start getting calls from conference organizations I'd never heard of. And I just said yes to everything. Right. So I had my calendar full of speaking engagements, even though I was a terrible speaker. It was pretty funny. But like these are these, these two stories are just such a testament to breaks. Don't like, I think a lot of people have this delusion or that like a break is going to happen to them. Like you Put, bestowed your break upon yourself. And then despite the fact that you knew you weren't good at something, you learned on the job. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are are not willing, maybe not willing, don't understand that's an opportunity. Yeah. And and what I didn't understand in those days, I mean, I, I had that hustle and the, 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 the drive and all that. You know, like what Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, uh, or Gary V. You know, it's like he's all into hustle. I had like copious amounts of hustle. What I didn't have was that kind of um, spiritual perspective. I was agnostic until I was like forty-two years old, and then I had a spiritual awakening in India on a Tony Robbins Platinum Partner trip, and that changed everything for me. And now. I'm I'm coming to the things with a lot more wisdom and uh, 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 surrender and 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 trust and and a belief and 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 that that life happens for you, not to you. And it's not like all about the hustle now. It's it's about allowing and that we live in a friendly universe and to trust in that. I didn't believe in any of that. I just thought, oh, there's so much darkness and, you know, there's so much evil. And like, that's a lonely, sad existence to believe that uh, everybody's out to get you or that um, you have to be on guard 24 seven or, or that, you know, there's really nothing. It's just emptiness out there. So now I've got this new perspective that I didn't have and that makes life a lot more joyful and uh, alleviate some of that need to hustle. Well, and it's so appropriate. This podcast is called Light Hustle because it's all about combining the hard work with the spiritual. And the light, you know, in terms of lightheartedness and humor and all of those things. Because the truth is, with the hustle and the success, if you don't have the joy, who the hell cares? Sure, yeah. you can pay your bills, but who cares? So how long ago was that? So, well, the spiritual awakening happened in 2012. And uh, then just all the miracles started happening after that. 
That was incredible. Like crazy stuff. First of all, you know, it's a spiritual awakening when it's like an LSD trip. (laughs) I don't have any experience with LSD or any other drugs, but I, I, it was an out of this world kind of out of body experience. I, I went, I, I, I got touched by this oneness monk and um, afterwards, and I felt so blissful and connected to the creator. And remember, I was agnostic, uh, practically atheist uh, for my whole life. I felt connected to the creator, like I was suddenly plugged in to the universal Google or something. It was just incredible. And then I walk outside after that and I, I, I see the trees and the grass and everything. And I, I, I'm just thinking to myself, wow, this is so beautiful. And the color of the green was just bizarre. It was technicolor, like in a cartoon. I'd never seen stuff glow like that. And I'm just like, wow, I'm like, this, this is uh, like, this is a pivotal moment in my life. I've, I've suddenly uh, discovered my higher power and um, the afterwards the monk explained to me that the divine is an experience not a belief so we believe in god we believe in a higher power or the creator or whatever we want to call it in the universe whatever our belief is it's a belief but when you experience god that's a whole other ball game Right. So, so I got to experience God and then it changed everything. And then miracle upon miracle, like crazy stuff. You'd never like that doesn't even compute. That stuff doesn't even happen. It started happening to me. Okay. So you're, that, this was in India. You arranged to be touched by this monk. Tony had brought these monks from oneness university uh, outside of Chennai to uh, the, this palace in Udayapur beautiful uh they have these little islands uh in odayapur and there are palaces on each one of the islands so we were at one of these palaces which is a hotel very fancy one and he had arranged for all these monks to come in and the whole topic or theme for that intensive was oneness oneness is like the the sugar that you can add to your coffee your tea whatever your favorite drink is whatever your favorite religion is doesn't matter it's compatible with oneness islam buddhism hinduism christianity doesn't matter judaism it all is compatible with oneness and we got to experience oneness through these dikshas these oneness blessings and that one in particular that was from a particular monk who is super high vibration like wow like I got zapped and, and that opened a portal or something. It was pretty wild. And how long did that feeling last? Well, the feeling uh, was kind of fleeting in that, you know, hour later, I'm kind of back to uh, my new normal. But having had that experience, I was a different person. I was completely transformed permanently it's like they explain that a a, a awakening is a permanent shift in your brain in your biology you can't go back to the previous version of your brain anatomy 
after an awakening. So what were these miracles? What have these miracles been that followed? Uh, well, um, meeting my wife. Uh, so I, I, I wrote my relationship vision two months later um, on a poster board at a Date with Destiny, another Tony event. And I prayed for my soulmate to show up. As I was writing it or right after I finished writing it, I prayed for her to show up. I connected to the divine, my, my divine, and asked for her to show up right away. You get what you ask for. If you say, well, I would really love to have uh, a partner in the next couple of years. Well, okay, you just asked for it to happen in a couple of years. I, no, I specifically asked for right away. Right. 12 hours later, we were mutually introduced. 18 hours after that, uh, we said, I love you to each other. Nine days after that, I proposed to her in a hot air balloon. Uh, she did say no. <laughs> she said, well, she said not yet. So, which was, it was all perfect. We were together inseparable the whole time. And for then nine months later, I reproposed to her and she said yes, but we were inseparable that whole time. You know, so it's not like it destroyed the relationship that she said no. It's that, I'm, I mean, I, it was a little impetuous or, or impulsive, I guess, to uh, propose and have the ring and everything nine days after meeting her. But I knew, I knew. And the way I knew was because I had learned in India to, to give these oneness blessings, the dikshas myself, so I could put my hands on people's heads and zap them too. And at Date with Destiny, there's this evening, the last evening where you, everybody gets touched. Um, or if you're a blessing giver, then you can be the one who's blessing people. So I was doing the dikshas uh, to people uh, while the lights were turned down and the music was playing and so forth. And she hadn't gotten touched. A lot of people don't get touched because okay. it's kind of chaotic and like you're not directed like, okay, this role has not been addressed yet. Go deal with them. So there's a lot of people get touched more than once. She didn't get touched at all. So I met her, like I said, she mutually introduced and she mentioned that she wasn't touched. And within the first 10 minutes of meeting her, I'm like, would you like me to give you a diksha? Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be wonderful because I knew how to do it. Right. When you, when you do this, you are connecting to your higher power and you are asking for divine grace to pass through you. You are a conduit. And the more you want it for the person that you're praying for, that you're touching, the more divine grace that passes. So I'm praying for her like she's my soulmate and then it was 10 minutes into meeting her and, and I, I knew I knew she's the one and how how long ago how long have you been married or how long have you been together uh well we've been together since 2000, December 2012 so um that's six uh six years and a half uh we've been married for two and a half years and uh, yeah it was a long engagement yeah uh but Just did the uh, math. Yeah. And and we should and we, mention, and we have a baby on the way. <laughs> oh, you do congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And Three more weeks. <laughs> how long? Three weeks. By the time you guys hear this, he will be a father yet again. Yeah. Now, and we should mention that what her work is in the relationship realm and doesn't she teach how to find your soulmate? Yeah. She's a love coach. And uh before that she was a life coach and before that she was a personal trainer. Um, so she's gotten a lot of training and, and, and learnings from 
Tony Robbins, she, um, that's how we met was at a Tony Robbins event, but she had done unleash the power within she had crewed unleash the power within. And, uh, we've done a lot of events together after, um, but we do a lot of personal development stuff. We don't do Tony Robbins events any, anymore, to, uh, but we're doing other things. So we're, we're seminar junkies. We're mastermind junkies. We're in genius network together, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, she's not going to any meetings right now because she's so pregnant, but, uh, she went to several genius network meetings earlier this year. Uh, so yeah. What we haven't even talked about is that you are the leading SEO expert. Can I say that? Um, I'm not going to correct you, but um, I wouldn't say that myself because that's kind of sounds pretty arrogant. But I do have kind of the Bible on SEO that I co-authored with uh, several other folks. It's called The Art of SEO and it's a thousand pages and it's used as a textbook at at, uh, universities and uh, published by O'Reilly. It is the go-to book on on search engine optimization. If you have a website and you need to get it to the top of Google, that's your book. And you also have two podcasts. I have two podcasts. I also have two other books, and you know, I'm I'm kind of a overachiever. <laughs> I like to I'm prolific with content creation. So um, the podcast that's all marketing related is called Marketing Speak. But then I have a personal development podcast that was inspired by my journey and all the development, uh, stuff that I've done, all the self-help stuff. And, and, uh, it's, it's all biohacking, productivity, uh, spirituality, uh, relationships, all that. It's called get yourself optimized. And are they both released every week? Yeah. Um, okay. This has been fantastic. We are going to get right now to the lightning round, which just means say the first thing that comes to mind, don't think about it too much. Um, what is your morning routine? I connect, uh, do a, a, a prayer, a Kabbalah prayer. I'm big into Kabbalah. It's uh, called the Anabakoa prayer and helps me connect to the creator and to my certainty and uh, to um, the bigger picture and you know, to the 99%. The 1% is what's like uh, what we experience. You know, this table is... is you know, hardwood, but it's not, it's actually mostly space. And, you know, you got to connect to what's outside of our normal realm of our senses. And I do that every morning. And, uh, that's, that's the main, most important thing uh, that I do. And, you know, I also do a three absolutes, uh, that I write down in, in my online journal or like, uh, not online journal, but, uh, on the computer, I use day one, uh, the day one app and I put my three absolutes down and uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably way over time with that light. It's okay. There's no time. There's no time. <laughs> Are three absolutes just think three things you're gonna do that day? Yes. It's okay. Taking a massive to do list and winnowing it down to like what are the three attainable things that I'm gonna do, and not like try to do everything, not try to overwhelm myself. I'll, I'll look at the to do list, but the three absolutes are the three must dos. What is a book that has changed your life? Wow, there's so many. <laughs> uh, one of the books that um, uh, has changed like how I see uh, my purpose in life. Before I had the spiritual awakening, epiphany, The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. 
And uh, the point of the, of the book that I got out of it is that the purpose of life is just to be happy. It's not to create whatever. It's not to save the world. It's not to atone for your sins of past lifetimes. It's just to be happy. So I got a lot out of that. And what is one of your favorite quotes? It's from The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. Love it. I love it. Now I'm uh, all about strategy. And if you're very tactical, you can be a great tactician. You will lose hmm. because you're not seeing the bigger picture. You will be slaughtered on the battlefield. Um, have you had a mentor? Is it Tony Robbins? You know, um, not really. He was more of a, a coach and a seminar leader. And you don't get much time with Tony directly. Like you don't get any time. I had very small, limited conversations with him one-on-one, uh, -on -one, mm -hmm. which is almost impossible even to get a minute talking to him. So he was, I wouldn't consider him a mentor. I've had plenty of mentors and uh, uh, many of them were also coaches. So if I see somebody that I want to uh, learn from and kind of emulate how they are in the world in a particular area, then I will seek them out. And, um, you know, some, some mentors have uh, uh, been just helpful and not uh, charging me. Some have been very uh, serious investments. <laughs> It just depends on the situation, but uh, I'll give you one example of somebody who has been a great mentor and coach to me, and that's Ephraim Olszewski. Uh, he is a guest on both of my two podcasts. Um, yeah, I've gotten some incredible insights uh, from from him, and you can catch some of those about like things like intentionality and um, responsibility and so forth from the uh, uh, from the episodes. It's Ephraim, like E-P-A-E-F? E-P-H-R-A-I-M. Okay. Um, and we've touched on this a lot already, but what is, um, if you could break it down, what is your spiritual practice? Yeah, so I'm really big into Kabbalah. I'm also, uh, I, I really get a lot out of oneness as well, but I've kind of more shifted to uh, Kabbalah. I, I take a lot of classes uh, at uh, the Kabbalah Center. So I've taken Kabbalah one, two, and three, uh, and then one and two over again. And then uh, and with my wife, we, we go through these classes together. And then uh, we stopped at three and got married. And then we didn't end up doing three a second time. So these are 10-week uh, courses. Amazing. Uh, I've, by the way, I've interviewed three of my Kabbalah instructors on the Get Yourself Optimized podcast. So if you're wondering, what the heck is this Kabbalah thing? Why is Madonna so into it? It's awesome. It's like the most ancient self-help movement. Uh, and again, you don't have to be uh, Jewish or anything. It's like a mystical branch of Judaism, but it's like an ancient self-help movement. It's like the sugar you can add to your coffee or tea or whatever. So it doesn't matter what your uh, religious bent is, or if you're not even religious at all, just go for it. At least listen to those episodes. There's so much wisdom and insight from Kabbalah. So I'm, I, I, I love Kabbalah. I'm taking practical Kabbalah. That's another class from the Kabbalah Center. And uh, I just, I love it. It's awesome. What is your best quality? 
my best quality. Um, uh, honesty, I guess, honesty and transparency and just being real. Like I, I, there's no pretense. Sometimes there is, I mean, we're all, we all have ego, but I work really hard on keeping my ego in check. So if somebody wants to hear the, the real story of how, uh, I got from A to B, I will tell them, you know, I'm not going to, uh, sugarcoat it. And how do you define, um, dark? Absence of, of light. And, and when I say light, I mean like capital L, like the light of the creator. And if you are revealing light, which is something I do and try to do all the time, I'm thinking about what, how am I going to reveal light in this podcast interview, for example, or when I'm interviewing uh, a guest for my shows, like how am I revealing light in this? Uh, or if I'm doing a, a speech at a conference, how am I revealing light? It's how I uh, gauge my success and what I'm what what I'm focused on. So if you, if you are focused on the negative, like oh my God, Trump did this again, and like oh, what the heck? Or you're like oh the environment, it's all just on fire, and like all these species and they're just being wiped out. And you focus on the dark, and you get more dark. You attract more darkness. You like focus on the darkness in your relationship and you bring in darkness like a magnet to your professional life and to other relationships and so forth. You got to focus on the light. And when you focus on the light, you are a beacon of light to others and people have hope and they get inspired and they change the world. And you don't have to change others. You just have to change yourself. Like Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. And so then how do you define light? Is it the creator or is it something yeah, so specific? I, I use the definitions for that I learned from Kabbalah. There's the light of the creator called the light of wisdom. And then there's the light that we reveal as humans or as souls. And that's not the light of wisdom. That's the light of mercy. So when we're merciful to others, like somebody really deserves to get cut off because they just cut me off, but no, I'm going to let that go. That's the light of mercy. Well, Stefan, this has been fantastic. You have brought so much light. Um, what is the best way for people to find you? Yeah, stephanspencer.com is my main website. And my two podcasts are Marketing Speak and Get Yourself Optimized. And each of those have, have websites. So you can go to getyourselfoptimized.com if you're interested in the spiritual side and the personal development side of, of what I'm up to. And then the Marketing Speak website is marketingspeak.com. And that's not just SEO, it's Facebook advertising, e-commerce, analytics, uh, paid search, all, all, the, all the stuff that relates to marketing online and even offline. Well, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.